This is Sean Dorsey from No Hope Records, and you're listening to We Podcast and We Know Things. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 186 of We Podcast and We Know Things, where we recap all of the week's nerdy news, and I mean all of it. Holy smokes, this week. My name is Greg Hahn. Alongside of me is almost always the best damn voice in the business, Sam Matura. This episode is a complete dedication to skating. I was hoping you would do one of two things for your intro, and you did it. So I'm very, very happy with with your intro today. I just thought okay. I would let you know because I'm I know glad. I know you go to sleep and wake up just craving my approval. So <laughs> you you know you know me so well. So I figure this would have been perfect. I was hoping you would either go with complete dedication to Skyton, or because it's 186, you would do an initial D thing for 86. Yeah, true. So okay, I wasn't thinking that way. Maybe one eight seven next week we do a census fail thing for their song one eight seven. Who who knows? Uh, so we got a huge show for you tonight, like as always. Uh, but this week is friggin' insane. Uh, so we're gonna start with our picks of the week. I'm really excited for mine. Uh, we have our trivia. It's four and a half for me, three and a half for Sam. I'm only up by one in our race to eleven. Win by two for the trivia challenge championship trophy. Uh, it's, it's two to two in that race. Sam will take over in gaming where we have a couple of reviews, a couple of impressions, a couple of huge announcements. Holy smokes with the announcements. Nintendo, PlayStation. Yeah, that's a, everybody coming a, in hot. Not really Xbox. I mean, like the some of the stuff will be available there, but they had their time to shine last week. So we'll pass the baton. We'll pass the yeah. baton. We have some more. Keep it moving. Keep it moving. We have some more cancellations of uh, big conventions. We have a uh, review in movies for Capone. We're going to have a nice conversation about the future of the Deadpool franchise in TV. We got Percy Jackson coming to the television screen along with Swamp Thing getting the, revived. Don't call the comeback. Super happy about that. We have some music reviews and announcements for you there. Then we're going to take it into a comic story and even do a review of a stand-up comedy album. Uh, so all of that plus Sam CGC spotlight. And I didn't tell you probably even one-third of the shit we're going to talk about. So it's a huge night. Yeah, you know, we just want to give you a little tease. It's 7.30 p.m. on May 14th, Thursday, May 14th. My last show is a 31-year-old. Uh, next week, I will be 32 by the time we so, record. It's all downhill from here. It's been all downhill for years. Years. <laughs> probably since I, I probably climaxed at 18. Damn. That was, my, that was my apex in life. And then all the people that are still laughing at the fact that I told that I climaxed, uh, they're, <laughs> they're still on their way down. But yeah. Uh, anyway. It's okay. Huge, it's okay. huge show tonight. And as always, it's customary to start with our picks. Of the week. Yo, I saw Extraction. That, that's got to be the pick of the week. <laughs> Finally. That movie, that action. Like, come on, dude. For a, a, a movie that was only $65 million, like what was shown there, he like, said you got everything only, out of that. He said only $65 million. You're right. In terms of big budget movies, that's not a lot of money. But yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, it was a story by the Russo brothers. So it's like, you know, I felt like we were in good hands. Directed by Sam Hargrove, who directed Atomic Blonde with Charlie Theron. I don't know if you saw that. I thought it was only Joe Russo, not both Russo brothers. I could have sworn I thought, it was just the one. Unless it was one who was attached as a producer, and maybe one did the um, the tell play and one did the story. Yeah, maybe, might have been something like that. Maybe. Yeah, so you know, it was an hour forty five minutes. He's like, you know, goes to t- take back some, you know, 
Kingpin's son from getting kidnapped. He's a mercenary for hire. We're talking about Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, here. yeah, he's on the black market. Yeah, and, and like the end with the you know him at the end. Like I don't even want to spoil it, but besides the, like the end, I really enjoyed the movie. The action was there. Like I, I thought Hemsworth kind of established himself as like an action star rather than just like Thor. Like I thought he proved himself here, and I, I thought the acting was great. It Extraction was, on Netflix. It was, it, it was great. It was John Wick if it took place in the black market of India. Yeah, like exactly. It was like another John Wick member of the society of somewhere else. Yeah, and, and so like it's – I talked about it a couple weeks ago. There were two big shocking deaths in the movie uh, – that's, oh, oh yeah! That's oh yeah! Still haunting. I, mean, I, I, I didn't want to tease. I didn't want to tease it. No, I, I, I'm not going to spoil who they are. But one was in the very beginning outside of a club, and the other one was uh, on a rooftop. And it's like, yeah, yep, and, yep. In yep. both of those instances, it's like, holy shit! Like, yeah, dude, like all the explosions, all the action, the stabbing, fighting, going through walls. I was like, dude, this like, and even the director, like that ten minute like one shot scene. That was insane. I don't know how he did it. Yeah. Wow. Like, in, seriously, if you have an hour 45, go on Netflix. Extraction. Fantastic. Yeah, it was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. And I hope everybody out there has a chance to watch Extraction. Um, it won't disappoint you. I hope that it ends up somewhere on your list at the end of the year there, buddy. Right now, with that action, oh, yeah. My pick of the week is a television show that I've – was like I heard a lot of people talking about it, so I just decided to dive in and I finished the it's only got one season right now. I finished the whole season in a day. Um was it ten episodes? It was eight, I think. Okay. Maybe it was ten. I can't remember what. But it's on FXX and that is Dave. Oh yeah, that was my pick of the week a little bit ago, wasn't it? Like a month ago. Uh I don't remember you ever having it as your pick of the week. You sure? Yeah, I don't remember you ever having it. Yeah, as it's week. it's for little picky. Yeah, I don't remember you yeah. ever having it as your pick of the week. Don't don't make me scroll back. I hope you do, my friend. You oh, you know, no, keep going. I'm, I'm looking. <laughs> it's a great fucking show. I'm glad. So you've watched it all. I didn't even know you watched it. Yeah, dude. It, like, dude, it's uh, Santino. Andrew Santino is in it. Yeah, he's a you know. I I think he's freaking hilarious. And his girlfriend uh, in the show is from American Vandal, which. I have a love affair with that show. I actually just rewatched both seasons of that on Netflix as well, uh, not too long ago. But it, FXX and FX and all that, since it's Fox, it's on Hulu because Hulu has all the Fox content since they're owned. Uh, and so, got to watch it, plowed through it. Freaking hilarious from this first friggin' scene when he's in the doctor's office talking oh, about, talking about <laughs> his body parts and. All the way through the end, it has a good story through line too. Like it's got, it doesn't just go episode to episode to episode. It's got a through line. It's got payoff. It's got pretty good. Like the last two episodes get pretty deep. Um, yeah, yeah. There, I don't necessarily care too much about Gata. I, they did the whole episode about his backstory and his, you know, mental issue, and I was like, okay, he's not my favorite. It was, some, it, was it was, it was different. Yeah. They, they went a little off the, the script, which is fine. I don't mind. Um, but it was it's really good. It's really funny. It's only a half hour show and there's only, I think and, there's only eight episodes. And got signed for season two. Yeah, and we we put that out on our social medias that it got signed for season two. I thought that was a dead giveaway that it was gonna be my pick of the week. It's such a funny show. The rapping is great. Um 
It's little Dicky. He's the man. Yeah, the personality. He's from Philly. He, he, he represents. Yeah, he wears the Sixers shit almost all the time. They talk about Sixers sons. And so they give Philadelphia a good name, and, and I appreciate that. And, uh, again, just a great show that if you have Hulu, I recommend going on Hulu and checking it out. The whole season's available on there. If not, I'm sure some of it's available on demand. This t- show is so good, I'd even recommend watching it if you had to purchase it for a couple bucks here and there. So it's super good. Yeah, it's probably on FX on demand. All right, Sam, let's get into trivia. It's four and a half for me, three for you. No, I'm sorry, four and a half to three and a half. Yeah, four and a half to three and a half, yep. How many main series Assassin's Creed games have been released? One, two, three, four. Assassin's Creed 4, Black Flag. Then you have Origins and Odyssey. And then... Okay, even if you get it, I don't have all the the ones, but I did, you know, I did check and there was 11 when I looked. Yeah. And wrote this question out. So there's four, and then Brotherhood is eight, or no, seven. And then I, are you counting Valhalla? Um, No, this did not count Valhalla. Okay. Um, So is that seven? I think there's one more that I'm missing. Uh, Shoot. Are you counting remasters? No. Okay. It's just main series. Games of Assassin's Creed. If you're going numbered, there's but, if you're going numbered, there's four. If you're not, there's seven or eight. I think I'm going to go eight. The answer I have is eleven. Hmm. I don't know about their history, but when I looked it up, it said there was eleven main series Assassin's Creed games. What I got I, it from a website. Yeah, what am I? Oh, I, I hope so. I don't. I hope you don't know that off the top of your head. Dude, I don't even play Assassin's Creed games, but I know uh, you had an interest at one point. So it's Odyssey, Origins. Then there's the Enzo Collection. I don't know if they... Oh, Syndicate. I miss Syndicate. Um, then there's like a, been a few more. mobile game, Creed Syndicate. The fuck? Uh, you know, yeah, Assassin's Creed Syndicate. So I missed that one. Creed Chronicles China. That's not mainline. That's a spinoff. Unity, fuck! I missed Unity too. Well, well, if if it hurt that bad, you, you can double check. And then Rogue, and then Rogue. So I don't, yeah, I don't fucking care at this point. <laughs> but yeah, all right, fine. I listen. I don't care because I know I'm wrong. So even if, because I know there's already more than eight just by me doing that quick Google search. So it really doesn't matter anymore what the answer is because I got it wrong. All right. Sorry, brother. For you, in 1917, you know we all love that year so much. In 1917, Al Capone's face was slashed during a fight at the Harvard Inn. After he insulted a female patron and her brother retaliated, leaving him with three indelible scars. What nickname from the media did he gain from this incident? Al Capone? Yep. Scarface? Yep. Oh, interesting. Just thought it would trick you up a little bit. Oh, that's what I was saying. I was like, is he trying it? I was like, oh yeah, Scarface, yeah. Just thought I'd try to trick you up. I didn't want right, to right. maybe overthink it or something like that, but you didn't. You just knew it. No, you, you just threw me off from 1917. I was like, where is he going with this one? So here, not cool. I'm taking questions. Here were the answers that I came up with. You had Scarface, uh, Scarpone, Scars, oh, Scars McGee, <laughs> or The Gang Scar. Jesus. <laughs> Well, uh, that, uh, even if I didn't know it, I think it was a dead ring. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure you were getting a half a point at least tonight, friend. All right, well, I'll take it. We're all knotted up. I needed that. 
So I'll take it over in gaming. We got two reviews. We got two impressions. So let's start off with the wonderful 101 Remaster Review. And this was a Wii U game that no one fucking played from Platinum Games. Um, <laughs> and, and they remastered on the Switch because they're really smart. It had a million-dollar goal on Kickstarter. It made $3 million. Uh, people, wow. people have wanted this. Yeah, because it's got a cult following and people wanted this. And you knew that if you release this to a wider audience, it was going to do well. So it's out uh, on the 19th of May. So I believe that's Tuesday. It's coming out on Nintendo Switch and PS4 and PC. So they're expanding heavily just from a Wii U port. So really happy for that. As a remaster, this updated version of the Wonderful 101 is not going to impress anyone with its minor improvements to its performance and small adjustments to make it a bit more accessible to newcomers. However, the fact remains that this is the Wonderful 101, one of the best action games of a generation and one that has tragically until now been locked behind a relatively niche console. This remaster is the best way to play the Wonderful 101, which is something I cannot recommend strongly enough for those willing to power through its learning curve. Seven. Nine. Hmm. All right. I just thought they shit on it a little bit, and then they... Well, they didn't shit on it. They didn't shit on it. They didn't shit on it. They just said that as a remaster, it doesn't add anything new, but the game is still great. So I think that's a little bit of a cheap nine. Um, You're really just grading the game as opposed to the remaster of the game, but that's fine. Um, This is a game where it's isometric, top down. You take control of, I think his name is Mr. Wonderful or Mr. 101 or something like that. And you have up to 101 superheroes at one time fighting with you in this little like circle. And then you can draw different shapes and what you draw, those little heroes make that shape like if you draw a line it becomes a sword an l it becomes a gun and then you can kill you can kill monsters and stuff like that they're invading earth but it's it's difficult it's tricky it's not for me i love to watch it i would hate to play it because this is not (laughs) it's not my cup of tea in terms of a of a game to play now we got super mega baseball three review and impressions. Yeah, you might be asking yourself why the fuck super mega baseball three of all things is on our list. Well, number one, IGN had a review of it, and I don't know it's it's created by Metalhead Studios. I don't know if you know they said if they paid a pretty penny to IGN to get this reviewed on their platform, or if you know IGN just said, "Oh, we love this. The third game in the franchise. It's a cult classic. Let's check it out." But it is a cult classic game. I have to do my research on it because I am hungry for sports. But let's read the review. I did make the purchase after after uh, seeing the reviews on it. I did make the purchase, so I can give my impressions after that. The the third version of the Super Mega Baseball franchise doesn't reinvent the gameplay, which remains as grounded and easy to play as ever. However, it does add a wealth of features to make upgrading worth the price. On the field, improvements to base running and an emphasis on catcher's mistakes. Uh, I'm sorry, catcher's fielding make easy pitch slight every pitch slightly more meaningful. My goodness, I'm sorry there. The new franchise mode works well too, due in no small part to the integration of creative and easy to understand player traits. Developing a living roster offers interesting decisions without having to fret about financial minutia. Best of all, Super Mega Baseball 3 surrounds all of us with the most appealing graphical style, easy to use customization, fully adjustable difficulty, and quirky humor the series has become known for. Ado. Yes. Now, I have been dying for 
a good baseball game that's not MLB The Show. That's just a little too close to life. It takes it a little too seriously. But I didn't want this over-the-top, you know, giant bats, robots, and shit, like – like backyard baseball like arcade style but i wanted something like like backyard baseball like it's a sim you do play baseball it's got some fun stuff in there and it's pretty easy to just pick up and play that's what i wanted and so that's what i found in this game after looking at it it's got this goofy art style where i I hate to use the comparison but just so you know what i'm talking about it kind of looks like Fortnite people um but a little bit bulkier and bigger it's kind of got that weird kind of style to it but their names are thrasher mcallmeyer or allmeyer and uh uh what is it uh thrash mcgill and stuff like it's like the funniest shit right so there's like fuck there's like 24 made up teams and there's each team has 20 players on it like they made up all these players with all these traits gave them all the roles you know, closer, starting pitcher, reliever, gave them all the attributes. And it's, okay. they, they put like a lot of thought into these characters and they're fictional teams and fictional stadiums and stuff. I'm, I'm the saw teeth. It's the shark with the big teeth, the saw. So like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that was the logo that appealed to me. So yeah. uh, I'm eight and oh right now in my franchise. Um, so I'm happy about that. Uh, there is, there are 100 difficulty levels. Um. Why? You can. <laughs> why is there so many? You can literally up the difficulty one at a time, and if you wanted to, you can even make pitching like a ninety-nine difficulty, and then you can make your hitting a one just to make it even harder. Like you can have some fun with how crazy you can make things. Like with the difficulty, you can make everything yeah, as easy. No, as, that, that's cool. That's different. So it's customizable, and then you can customize your own logos, your own teams, your own players, your own stadiums. You can customize all of that. It's got a really cool editor. So I'm good. Once I'm done playing this season or this franchise mode, I only did a 32 game season. Um, it is for Switch. It's for Switch, uh, PS4, Xbox One. I think it's on PC as well. You can play online with across the the consoles. So it doesn't matter what you own it on. Uh, nah, so, that's cool. And it's a sim. It's a real bait. Like you, there's. It's not like Fireball and Springball. It's fastball, curveball, changeup, slider. It's the real stuff. And it's actually really fun to to play. Um, it's got the the controls are very 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 much like MLB the Show. So if you played MLB the Show or MLB Two K, you'll pick it up literally instantly. Very easy to play. You could do contact swings and power swings. You can do power pitches, but you got to be really good. So it's it's got a nice risk reward system. It's super fun. Um, uh, I dude, I'm loving it. I am fucking loving this game. Uh, it's, it's good to hear you into a game. Yeah, I felt like you've been like in like a little slump. I felt like I'm. I'm happy to. I've been craving a good sports game. I want a good baseball game. So I'm happy that this game kind of came along at the perfect time. It also has a demo available, which is what really hooked me: is downloading and playing the demo. Uh, nice. The, the only drawback, and I will admit that this is a drawback, and I was hesitant at first, but I eventually dove in because I'm a sucker. It is forty five dollars. It's not cheap. Okay, it's not. Okay, so it's, it's not like uh, a. It's not better like than a, sixty. Right, it's not a twenty dollar pickup indie thing. Like it's a full fledged baseball game with franchise and season mode, and you know it doesn't have trades, but you can do free agency where you actually trade your player with a free agent. So it's got a free agency system. It's got a GM mode. It's got all that stuff in there, just with a wacky coat of paint, and I loved it. 
it's uh i i'm staring at my switch right now and i can't wait to play when we're done ah, that's awesome next up we got task force campus impressions i was really 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 in the mood for a shoot 'em up the top down you're a ship and everything's just coming at you like crazy and you fly all around yeah. the screen i was really really in the mood for one of those and luckily enough our friends at east asia soft came along and said hey uh we have a game coming out called task force campus on the nintendo switch i don't know if it's available elsewhere but would you like to review it of course i'd like to review it uh, oh yeah duh so i was and it kind of came along at the right amount like the right time so i requested a review code so this game is a free game we did receive the copy from east asia soft just so you know i think it's like four dollars on switch maybe three four five dollars it's not more than five dollars on switch um but what i really love a couple different things i love about this is number one the art style it looks like you're playing on an arcade machine and a game boy mixed together it's really cool graphically I love that. It doesn't, it's not like a widescreen game that takes up the whole switch screen. It actually puts the black bars on the sides, gives you a really narrow playing field. So you don't have to feel overwhelmed and go from your ship all the way to the left. It's a very small, succinct um, area and map. So I love that. I love number two is you can pick from multiple uh, pilots. You can pick from multiple uh, different colors and stats and attributes for the ship. Uh, that you want to play on. So you're not just this random ship that gets sent off to do your thing. You have a little bit of customization there. You can unlock different ships as you beat parts of the game. And I will tell you right now, it's hard as fuck. Um, it's so hard. I couldn't beat the first boss uh, in you're my good. first. You, you deserve to be put in your place sometimes. It took me seven tries, I think, just to beat the first boss. And I've yet to beat, nice. the, se- I've yet to beat the second level. It's so hard. Now, That's awesome. A little bit of it is because I'm just I'm not a huge shoot 'em up guy, but when a good one comes along, I enjoy it. So I don't have a lot of uh what's the word? I don't have a lot of like practice in the genre, but man, am I glad that I that I picked this one up and, and that East Asia Stuff was happy enough to and kind enough to send one along. I believe even right now, if you're listening to this pod, uh, as the episode is dropping on Friday the fifteenth uh, or after, it is on sale on the Switch. Um, of course it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's on sale. That may be ending soon, but go check out Task Force Campus. Can't recommend it enough. It's super freaking good. Um, I, I just I loved everything about it. Like I said, I'm I'm really happy uh, that East Asia Soft was nice to uh, nice enough to send along. It is actually on PlayStation uh, Four as well, and PS Vita and Xbox One. So there's that. Um, so yeah, didn't know that. So here's just the quick features. From the press kit that I want to read off before we move on to the next story. Blast through randomized stages. I did not know they were randomized. With high intensity gameplay. Challenge a variety of handcrafted bosses, which I learned they kick your ass. Uh, Test your skill in endless runs to claim the high score on a single credit. Kill enemies to boost your power or stop shooting uh, to repair your ship. I knew that. They're really fun mechanics. Oh, that's a cool one too. When you're like halfway through the level, you get an H and an S that you have to run into one of them and you get either health or an upgrade to your gun. You have to make that choice. So it's really cool risk reward right there. I'm a bitch, so I always choose health. Um, get, in the mood, get in the mood with a punchy techno synthwave soundtrack. Can't can't say enough good things about the soundtrack. Unlock alternate cal- uh, color palettes, extreme difficulties, and save the standard uh, save the stranded cocos for unlimited happiness. The little dinosaur cocos that come throughout the level. You have to pick as many up. The only I've only gotten 11 of them in one playthrough because I'm a noob, but it's a great game and it's not expensive at all. Can't recommend enough. Task Force Campus. 
Next up, we got Tony Hawk Pro Skater Remastered 1 and 2. It's been announced. It's coming September 4th. Now, this is where our top three is going to be housed tonight. Our top three favorite levels from any Tony Hawk game. Uh, all of them. So, before we do that, my friend, um, this has been leaked. We even talked about it on last week's pod where Jason Dill came out and said, there's a Tony Hawk game. So, as recently as last week, we knew this was coming, but I had no yeah. idea we we're going to get it this quickly. It was the first announcement on Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest, and we all knew it was happening because with two minutes left in the countdown, they started playing Goldfinger, Superman. So we all knew yeah, that it was going to be Tony Hawk. And then Tony Hawk, a minute early, tweeted it out, which yeah, kind of sucks. kind of killed the surprise dude, a little bit. Dude, for, to him to play, you know, to, to come out with the one and two game, I was like, oh, my God. And then, like, five minutes after that, Jablinski Games on YouTube – you know, that's with uh, Jack's, Jack Black's YouTube channel. Tony Hawk playing Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 doing the 900. I was like, that's it. That, that, that's my childhood right there. Uh, we, so like it, it, I can only imagine how much I would have exploded if that was a legitimate surprise. But like literally two minutes before it was uh, sent, I saw in the YouTube comments, someone said, go check Tony Hawk's Twitter. And I was like, damn it, I'm going to fall for it. And I did thinking it was a joke. And there it was. He said, happy birthday to me two minutes before the announcement. So I was at that point just ready to see the, the footage. And we saw a trailer. We saw additional gameplay. And then we saw, like you said, Jack Black and Tony Hawk playing it. You said it's your childhood. What was going through your head as you're watching this reveal trailer? I was just like, oh, my God, it looks so much better than what I remember. <laughs> like what, where it came, like where we started and where we are now. It's like, oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, it, 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 I, it just got me hyped. Like I already pre-ordered it. It's it's already bought. Same. Like, I, I can't wait. Same. Now I will say um, the longtime Tony Hawk fans like myself noticed some inconsistencies and some things that are troubling about the the gameplay. But I I, I have faith because Robomoto, the team that made Tony Hawk HD in 2012 and Tony Hawk Five, has been disbanded, and this is actually going to be Vicarious Visions who actually developed the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy. So while it has some similar visual things to the HD remake of 1 and to 5, which were both stinkers, um, this is a brand new team. And some of them are even from Neversoft, which was the team behind the original couple Tony Hawk games. So that I do have a lot of faith that Vicarious yeah, Visions is going to bring a great product. And I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I I loved Crash. I, I have complete faith. They are, obviously they already have my money, and and I was sold on that minute and a half tease by Tony Hawk. So they're bringing back reverts from Tony Hawk Three. They're bringing that into the one and two remaster, which is great. Give that quality of life improvement. They're giving spine. They're they're bringing in spine transfers, which came in in Tony Hawk Four. Uh, which is another quality of life. So you can just increase those combos, chain them together, get crazy high scores. But the one thing that I found really hilarious was that they're bringing back the original soundtrack, or at least most of it, whatever they can get the licensing to. And they're also bringing back the original skaters like Kareem Campbell, Chad Muska, Alyssa Steamer, Andrew Reynolds, Steve Caballero. But they didn't. But I don't know because I didn't see Buck. I didn't see Rune Glyphberg. I didn't see uh, Jamie Thomas. Jeff Rowley. I didn't see Jeff Rowley. So there were a couple. I'd imagine that we're going to get the entire roster and maybe some new skaters in DLC or something like that. Maybe they'll. Uh, you know, is Spider Man going to be in it? 
Uh, Activision, it, probably not. Maybe you know you, what I could see. You remember he was a secret character. You know what so. I could see him being a secret character in the Sony PlayStation Four uh, edition only, like special DLC because Sony owns the character or at least some of it. I don't yeah, know who okay, owns, that makes sense uh, because Sony owns the, the video game rights because PS4 Spider Man was a PS4 Still exclusive. Right? So um, I, I think that that could be. Uh, maybe a secret character in in the PS4 version. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, but with all these original skaters, dude, they didn't do any de-aging. None. They're all in their 40s and 50s, and they look it. It's hilarious. <laughs> that, that's great. I'm glad they didn't keep them young. Oh, my God, dude. To watch an old-ass Steve Caballero do an impossible over a taxi cab in the New York streets, I was dying. Dude. I would just like looking with their graphics, like all their characters and Tony Hawk Two, like the graphics, like it's hysterical. Yeah, but Tony Hawk oh Two is timeless, man. It's timeless. Oh my god, yeah. It's it's one of my top ten favorite games of all time. It's even though there were no reverts, even though there were no spine transfers, and it was tougher to chain together combos. The levels, which kind of you know segues us into our top three favorite levels of all time in Tony Hawk games. The levels in there were timeless. This was one of the hardest top threes I ever had to put together because there were so many courses to choose from that were all bangers. No, there was, you know, there's definitely a lot to choose from, but like going through it, like I could just watch a little bit of gameplay, like do my, my pop three, my threes. It's easy. It, it came right to me. Uh, my, so, mine was tough. I think we have two of the same. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, like, because we, we, we played the game together. So it's like, I, I think they'll be definitely similar. So yeah, my guess I'll, is I'll, th- that all three of yours are from Tony Hawk one and two. That's my guess. No, they're all two. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Then we definitely that have was two. My, so I'll, I'll go number three, school two. Yeah, mine too. That's my number three as well. Southern California, dude. Like, I, I just remember cruising through the whole, like the whole hitting the freaking bells, getting the damn hall passes, like. That's I don't know I just I just love the school. So uh, the first thing that jumped in jumped out at me about the school two because school one was great in Tony Hawk one. Oh, it was it was uh, but great two level. Was better. But school two raised that you had TC's roof gap that you had to kickflip, which was a real trick that was done in real life. Even though it was super easy in the game, they were throwing an homage uh, to the real life trick. And then you had that big giant gap in the very very beginning where you that literally have to go off over the railing down that huge. Uh, gap you land at the bottom then there's two picnic tables to session uh you yep, had yep, you, yep. uh you had um you could go over the the wall and go into carlsbad and do the carlsbad gap which i hope and pray they keep in this game i'm sure it is i'm sure it is. the skate spot was destroyed in real life you can't skate there anymore so i'm i'm hoping that uh they they revitalize that because i missed carlsbad footage it was probably my favorite gap ever in skateboarding and so uh, super psyched on school too. I have so many memories of playing that level and it's, it's just one of the best ever created. Yeah. It's just funny that school with your number three. So my number two, Philadelphia, baby FDR, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. AKA love park. Obviously we know that's no longer there, but you know, I don't know if it was just because we live here just to see it or actually skate it, just knowing that it's here, you know, I had to be FDR. Well, it's it's Love Park. FDR is yeah. a, is actually hidden. You actually can't access it until you knock down the fence. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, yeah. So that's why I said AK Love Park. Yeah. But yeah, I, it, it was a great board. In a in a future Tony Hawk game, I think it was Proving Grounds. They actually had a level just called Love Park, and it was in HD, and it was really pretty. But Proving Grounds sucked balls, so I I didn't go there. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I've skated Love Park, you know, 25 times. So I, you know, that was just my, that was such a huge childhood memory of hopping yeah. on a train and going down and skating Love. And oh God, it was great. My number two, however, is from Tony Hawk Pro Skater 4. Um, probably the second best Tony Hawk game to me besides two. And that is San Francisco. It's the second level. Uh, Tony Hawk 4 was the first one that stopped the two-minute timer and gave you just free reign. You just go free skate, and all the objectives and missions are just throughout the world, and you just go skate on your own time limit. And that's what I really love. There were still timed challenges, but in the free world, you can kind of open world. You go skate where you wanted to skate. And San Francisco, man, as a skater growing up, that was my fucking dream to go to San Francisco and skate because of all these crazy spots like the manual uh, the manual pads down by the pier. And all of this was faithfully recreated in Tony Hawk 4. It kind of jammed together, but there were ledges for days. There was this crazy thick, uh, this crazy thick rail that you could skate in the back in this little hidden area. There was hubba's. There was the hubba in San Fran. There was... Um, the famous, I think it was the famous brick spot. I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure that Plaza, um, was in there. The mani pads were in there, even though they're tiny and that it's very easy to just ollie over them in the game. I had a lot of fun kind of recreating that. You can even skate on the pier. You can, um, knock, I think birds off or drunk people into the ocean. I can't remember the actual missions, but it was just so much fun to go around San Fran because I never got to go there as a skater getting to relive that in Tony Hawk four. Or not even relive it, getting to live it in Tony Hawk. Yeah, yeah, that, that was. I think that was the last Tony Hawk I actually played. My number one, the hangar, yep, Mullet Falls, Montana. Even though it's a fictional fictional location, but that's that is when, you, when someone says Tony Hawk Pro Skate Pro Skater Two, that's the that's the level I think of. I, Goldfinger comes right to my come right to my brain, and I'm just there's the hell path. Like that's that, that's my favorite board. Yeah, well, Goldfinger unfortunately was in Tony Hawk One. And that was in the warehouse is the Superman song. That was actually in Tony Hawk one. Um, but you're not wrong because the hangar is, is the one with the helipad. It is Tony Hawk two. It's the opening level in Tony Hawk two. So it's definitely the one that, you know, it's right before school too, but it gets the juices flowing. It's a great, great level. Now tri- my trivia question to you today was, I figured hangar was on your list was going to be how many Tony Hawk games has the hangar appeared in? I would have probably said three. Seven. Seven, damn. It's tied for the most with, I think there's four levels that have been in Tony Hawk games seven times. I think the warehouse is one of them. Um, I think school two is up there too. So uh, anyway, but yeah. Dude, yeah I, I, then the warehouse might've been my number two then. I might've booted out Philly. The warehouse is the opening level to Tony Hawk one, where you go, you start in the back, you go down the ramp and then you just go right through that big glass thing where the secret yeah, that, tape is. Yeah. That, that, yeah. That, I'm switching up. That was my, I, I completely forgot that was in one. That was in Tony. That was the opening level of one and Goldfinger yeah, sure, always right. played. So yeah, that, that was it. Okay. Yeah, that, that would be my number two. Hands down. Sorry, Phil, you're four. Well, why wouldn't Philly just move to three then? I don't know. School two, I just it, it has to be on my list because I that was the level. I remember me and you playing it. Yeah, um, I still you have all that? I still have all four of the original Tony Hawks playable. Nah, I don't like, have right behind me. I'm slacking. So they're so good. But anyway, uh, my number one is Philadelphia from Tony Hawk two. I didn't want to you know dive too much into it um, when you were talking about it because I have my own um, recollection of it. But 
So we all had the same top. Well, we almost had the same top three. Two, two of the three. I figured we would both yeah. have school and Philly, but you yeah. dropped Philly. So technically, we only have one. But yeah. it, in spirit, Philly is still in your list. Um, I just distinctly remember having just kind of thinking of lines in Tony Hawk two that I would do then going to love and trying to do myself. But by the time, um, I mean, love, I got, think I shut down in Oh two, maybe Oh three. And that's when I was at the end of my original run of skating was uh, Oh four Oh five is when I stopped, um, like full time everyday skating. And so by the time I got there, you couldn't skate love anymore. And so it was very, very choosy what I couldn't, couldn't do. But doing the love gap into the fountain is just an all-time memory. And I got to see Chris Cole skate that in real life. He did a switch frontside flip. He did a a backside flip, a switch backside flip, all in like the same day. It was gnarly as all shit. And to kind of just think of the memories that I personally have at love and to think of, you know, the game so faithfully recreating it. And then guess what? There's a whole other area that when you knock down the fence, you can go to FDR, one of the greatest concrete parks, or at least most iconic concrete parks where Bam would go nuts and Kerry Getz and all these local dudes would just shred it up. My God, what a fucking city Philly was for skating, man. Just like, just a hotbed on the East Coast. And we're lucky to be here and, and be in that skating culture for as long as we were. Yeah, and it's always good to watch them old videos too. It's just good nostalgia. Yes. Oh yeah, dude, the Bales videos you can unlock and all the old Tony. Hall. I I hope they bring that shit back. Like unlockable skaters, unlockable decks, unlockable like Officer Dick or Ollie the Bum. Like I hope that they bring back those fun kind of things and then those Bales videos and stuff. That shit. I mean, you could go watch that on Instagram or Hall of Meat all you want, but at the same time. To unlock that in Tony Hawk was something I looked forward to. You beat the game with the skater, then you get their video. That was fucking awesome back in the day. Yeah, it kept you going to keep playing for other characters. Yeah, man. Can't wait for September 4th. We both have it, and we'll give our reviews of it when uh, when we get there. Hell yeah. Nintendo announces Paper Mario, the Origami King, out of nowhere for July 17th release. So not only was there no Nintendo Direct to announce this, not only was there no warning, but I was on a work call and I happened to just check Twitter for a second and I was like, I can't watch this trailer now for 30 fucking minutes. I sat there in anticipation waiting for that call to end. No offense work like I've never waited for anything else to end in my life just so I could go watch that freaking trailer and just soak in the glory for two minutes before getting back to work. I just wanted to love it, Sam. I just wanted to love it, and I did, because I'm not a huge, huge Paper Mario fan, but I always wanted to be. It just never... Yeah, I, dude, like, I was going to say, I always thought Greg was a Paper Mario fan. Yeah, I, I never... Growing up, the only RPG I really, really liked was Pokemon, and that's because it didn't feel like an RPG. And this game, you know, having a Mario RPG... As much as I love the the one on Super Nintendo, um, the set I think it was paper, uh, Super Mario RPG, the Seven Golden Coins or something like that. I I just I played two Paper Mario games, the original on N sixty four, and Super Paper Mario on the Wii. Now I missed the GameCube one, Thousand Year Door. That's the most popular one. That's the one everybody wants the remaster of. And then the last couple, uh, Color Splash and Sticker Star on 3ds and wii u got absolutely trashed because of the combat and all these other things so i was like okay is this going to be a new team is it going to be 
Are they going to try and harken back to the roots? And I'm happy to say that from what I'm reading, uh, a lot of the combat's going back to the pure Paper Mario style of before with some newer 2020 enhancements. But this is going to be a lot closer to the older games than the newer ones, which makes me really interested to finally dive in and give this one a shot. Like, like it, it looked really cool, but like again, like it just wasn't my cup of tea. But I'm happy as shit for everyone that's been waiting for the an, another Paper Mario. It's been a long time since a good one's been out, but I'll tell you this: the double down on this, and the reason I'm even more excited is even further than Paper Mario because what this to me confirms is that that Mario 35 year anniversary of all the remasters with 64 and Galaxy and Sunshine that's real. It has to be real. So you at Best Buy accidentally post the 3d world remaster you now have this paper mario game that was rumored as a part of these leaks that is real nintendo has announced it so what else you have the delay for the nintendo direct that's because i believe they're getting ready to show these games and i think that this mario leak now is 100 real you cannot change my mind even if they don't show it and it's fake i'm still going to think it's real yeah it's only a matter of time now will the ps5 release this october there was uh, a job listing for Sony that Sony posted, allegedly, uh, saying we're looking for whatever the, the job title was, blah, blah, blah. We're looking for this, for this. We're looking for this for PlayStation 5, comma, which launches October 2020. So they put it in a job listing. Um, a, I don't think they would do that. It doesn't lend any credence to put the the, the job or the, the release date in a job listing that anybody can access. So I don't think that has credence and then sony's denying it um themselves so like it, it seems kind of fast october like, seems, you know what I mean? but but it also seems right the i think the reason it seems fast is because we don't have any fucking announcement yet at all we don't even know what it looks like true and it's you know it's only what five months away so if you think about it this way when the switch was unveiled it was on january 2017 and it came out in march now they did an, a reveal trailer in october of 2016 to at least let you see what it looked like and to kind of let you know what it was all about but they didn't really unveil it until agdq week when i was on fucking vacation but i still watched it um in January, and they released it two months later. I think that PS5 looked at that and said, we could learn a lot from the way Nintendo handled the Switch because that thing's selling like hotcakes. If we hold off, because we know every gamer wants this so bad that when they finally have this reveal, a million people are going to watch it in a, in hours. In oh, hours, oh, yeah, you know? 100%. So if they do this in June, and let's say October, what's that? July, August, September, October, that's four months that's enough time for people to save the $500, even though they're already saving now, whatever that'll cost. It's enough money to get people hyped. It's enough time to get people to pre-order. And it's enough time for manufacturers to get their shit together. But it's not a year, so people forget about it and it loses its hype. I think that a June reveal for an October release actually makes a ton of sense. I mean, I would like November better than October, but you know, I guess I'll, I'll just take a PS5. Like that, That's fine. Dude, if it came out May 19th, you'd fucking buy it. Don't lie. No. Bullshit. I don't believe you for a second, but we'll leave that for another day. (laughs) Unreal Engine 5 revealed today. Uh, And it was the second announcement of Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest. Now, there's two sides to this. Jeff Keighley came out and said, after the Tony Hawk thing, just wait until tomorrow. It's going to be the biggest announcement in gaming in years. And I'm like, it's going to be the most impactful of the summer, I think he said, too. Something along those lines. That's paraphrasing. Both of those things were. 
But I'm sitting there like, holy fuck, what could it be? Like, this has Grand Theft Auto 6 written all over it. Like, if this is going to be this huge reveal, let's fucking go. Or is he just going to drop the PS4 or 5? Like, is he just going to do that? Like, we don't know. Um, is it going to be the new Batman game? Like, holy shit, dude. The the uh, the possibilities were endless. And then we get Epic Games logo. The people who do Fortnite. The people that started Gears of War. The people that did Unreal Tournament. So I'm like, oh my god, Epic's going to come out with a new game. Hell yeah. And then I realized, oh shit. They're just unveiling the new engine, which is cool. Yeah. You know, Unreal Engine shows the power you of just, next You just game. had your hype too high, that's all. I think everybody did. When Jeff Keighley comes out and says this is going to be the biggest thing. It, it kind of puts the hypometer up. Like, listen, my hopes were so high that your kiss might kill me. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so I, uh, I was super happy that we got this beautiful, beautiful next gen power behind it. And rocks look like movies and, you know, all this cool stuff that we know that Xbox series X and PlayStation five are going to get. Now that particular demo was running on a PS five. So while we're going to get very, very similar looking textures in on the Xbox series X, this was what the PS five can handle. So you're the PlayStation guy. What did you think of what unreal engine five brought to the table? What they showed me, I, I thought was gorgeous. Um, I know it was only the demo, but I dude like, <laughs> What more do people expect for for PS Five? Like, like I I don't know. Like between that and all them damn triangles, I, how many like more that, triangles that can awesome. you fit? Each rock had a million fucking triangles in it. Like how many? Yeah. How many more triangles do we? It was Triangle the game. That was the demo they showed off. It was Triangle the game? No, but no. But it was just like, oh my god! Like, look how far gaming has come. Like it, like coming just like from Tony Hawk. To look at it, at this, like, oh my god, like it's it's so impressive. From Pac-Man on Atari to this, like that was 30, 40 years. Like that's a pretty huge, you know, leap there. And what I think people have to understand is that the further along we get in consoles, the less and less upgrade to the actual visuals we're gonna get. They're already so realistic that they can't really get much better especially with where TVs are at. Your TV has to be at maximum settings. Like PC can still kind of push the limits a little bit more uh, than console can right now. Console, you're kind of locked once you buy it. Um, And you really have to rely on your TV. And so like, I get that, but it's the little things that make this generation so special. It's the things that maybe the casual gamer won't pick up on, but it's the lighting. It's how good lighting can look. It's how good audio can be. It's how there won't be any loading screens. It's how... The, there won't be as much or if any texture pop in. Like if Pokemon Sword and Shield, it was kind of weird when you're walking and all of a sudden a Pokemon just boom pops up a foot in front of you and you're like, oh, I'm a champ. Whoa. Um, or Final Fantasy 7 when you're walking through the village and it looks muddy as shit and then you get closer and bam, then it looks pretty. Like that stuff can kind of break your immersion a little bit. So it's nice to see that those are the things that the PS5, the Xbox Series X are really going to innovate on because the visuals already look great today on Xbox One and PS4. How much better could they get? I love the shadows, the lighting, the audio, all those things. And that's what I'm excited for in this next generation of consoles. Hell yeah. PlayStation Studios will be the hot new thing. So they unveiled their new branding. All the first party studios on PlayStation 5 will kind of just brand Xbox Studio, or I'm sorry, PlayStation Studios. So uh, 
Xbox did something similar. So now PlayStation's just kind of hopping along. If you think about it, like Nintendo started it. So there are multiple developers within Nintendo. Um, I think they're they're like numbered. It's like ID1, ID2, ID3, 4, or something, ND1. I can't remember. But it's the team that creates Mario, the team that creates Zelda, the team that creates, you know, Kirby, Donkey Kong, whatever it is. I know that some of those are, are other studios, but you never get those games released by ID4 presents Super Mario Brothers. No, it was Nintendo. That's yeah. it was kind of under that banner. PlayStation's going to do something similar for the PS5 where if it's Uncharted 5 or Spider-Man 2, if it's a you know, if Sucker Punch is owned by PlayStation, it's not going to be developed by Sucker Punch. It's going to be brought to you by PlayStation Studios just to kind of bring the brand synonymous with PS5 to make it one and the same. While I get it, I think that does take a little bit of the shine off the developers that work their asses off, but I get it from like a business perspective. Yeah. Now we had a state of play on Ghost of Tsushima. So what did you think of Ghost of Tsushima? I mean, off the bat, you know, it was what, 18 minutes, I believe? Yes. I mean, I thought, dude, the, the game looked beautiful. It's, I mean, and the, it was all the landscape, play. the mountains, the wet, the, the wind, like everything. It yeah. looked gorgeous. Yeah. It did. Like yeah. that, yeah. you know, I'll give it that 10 out of 10. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was all gameplay. They didn't show any bullshit. Like they went in, if you were playing, it was in engine gameplay. That's gameplay done right, Xbox, just so you know. But yeah, that, that was definitely a positive. Like, and, and they gave you different views of him wearing the armor, him as the, you know, the shadow, him is, you know, with, with all this other stuff on, and him walking, riding the horse, and you got him climbing, out, like, across, like, a, a bamboo, like, that was cool, and, and then they gave you the fight, the action, it looked awesome, it was bloody, it was gory, I just don't think it's going to be a day one buy for me, like, I figure I'll be playing Last of Us 2, then I'll be getting ready, you know, Tony Hawk, and I think I'll just wait for this game to just drop and get it on the cheap and then try it out. Um, I thought the sword play was great. Like I thought it looked awesome. Like you said, I, you know, open world games and I just have a weird relationship just from the time that I can dedicate to them. So I'm already kind of off the, the, the pedestal because it's an open world game. So that's kind of already over one for me. Um, it looked gorgeous. Like I said, I love the sword play, the combat. I love that it was, you know, you could go black and white, like an old samurai movie. You could go full Japanese voice acting in an American made game. Like I love that kind of those nice, nice touches, nice touch. So, so <laughs> Definitely. I appreciated that, but man, could you be any more bland and boring during this presentation? The narrator was just like, and here he is walking and the birds lead you to objectives. Oh, watch out. Here's an enemy. You will kill him. Oh, I mean, the, like that, that didn't bother me so it much. Was I was just boring. You know, just looking around and focused on the game. It was boring as fuck. Now I get it. It was, it's the whole samurai motif, the whole old school narration, kind of like they were kind of going with the style of the game with the presentation. So I get it. And it didn't take away from how gorgeous the game looked, but holy fuck, that was a tough 18 minutes to get through from an entertainment standpoint. I get it. The game's gorgeous. Damn. It's, it's going to sell well. It's the last real big Xbox, or I'm sorry, PS4 exclusive before PS5 potentially hits. So uh, I'm sure that just from nostalgia alone, it's going to do well. I think personally, this game is better suited for PS5. And when it inevitably gets its PS5 remaster, just like The Last of Us Part 2, I think that's when we're going to see the sales of it really jump. Um, even though PS4 is a huge install base, I think that PS5 is where people are really, really, really going to appreciate this game and what it can do.
but I'm right there with you. This is a game that if it's you know 25 bucks on Black Friday, I'll pick it up. But other than that, this is a game where I know I'm not going to beat it and ever, and I know I'm only going to put 10 hours into it before my life just catches up with me. So why would I spend sixty dollars? Truth, I, I can't even add more to that. Tokyo Game Show 2020 has been canceled, but. They will be doing a digital event in its place. Yeah, I think this is going to be the motif. I mean, E3 really dropped the fucking ball here. Like, what this shows me is that E3 just fucked it's itself. It's done. It's done. It fucked itself. You have, you know, Tokyo Game Show. You have um, Gamescom. All these huge conferences. Paris Games Weeks. I'm sure going to do the same thing. Um, you know, the the no the Paxes. Paxes are probably going to be virtual. You know, so I think. Like this, and even San Diego Comic-Con not going virtual and just canceling, they fucked themselves a little bit there. San Diego Comic-Con is going to be fine. Like that will recover. E3, I'm not too sure about because you have the creative director's IM8 bit and Jeff Keighley, who's going to moderate the whole thing. They're doing their own thing right now at Summer Game Fest. They've already dropped two big announcements with a ton more to come. You have IGN Summer of Gaming. You have, we'll talk about Ubisoft in a second. You have all these conferences now going virtual. And E3 is just like, now nah, we're going to cancel. So, like, I get it. It was early on in the pandemic. We didn't know what it was going to look like. Um, so, and you had some people dropping out. So, I understand the reason for canceling. But, man, when I, I think I prefer this new way of getting information as opposed to just like the second week of June being the best week of the year for me with all these conferences and game announcements and directs and all this stuff, getting this news trickled out twice a week. For four months, I'm in for that. Keep the yeah, hype uh, up. Yeah, exactly. Keep keep it coming. Speaking of Ubisoft, Ubisoft announces Ubisoft Forward coming for July 12th. Yeah, it'll be a fully digital showcase with exclusive game news, reveals, more. So basically, it's their E3 press conference. Now, we saw that Microsoft is doing their first-party titles for Xbox Series X reveal in July. We see Ubisoft doing Ubisoft Forward in July. With E3, it was in June, and so they were a little rushed. Maybe that hurts the presentation. So now they're taking an extra month, which I think is a good thing. Smart, even yeah. even Nintendo, they've they've reportedly you know delayed their new direct until July. So July might be the new hotbed for games, uh, or at least gaming news and reveals. But they can take their time. They can do it on their own watch. They can delay it for a week if they need to. They're not under the pressure of E3 and the things that come with that. They can just do it when they're ready. And I think all of these publishers and developers, when they do this and they see the success that this will inevitably bring, will literally just say, fuck it. Why do we need E3? We can do this on our own dime and it won't get us a single lost customer. It might even gain us some. I think this is a great, it's a great strategy. Exactly. What I'm waiting for is WB, because they were supposed to have their first ever E3 conference this year. I'm waiting for WB to be a part of the Summer Games Fest with Jeff Keighley. Two reasons. One, I saw the Warner Brothers logo in yeah, in the yeah. companies, number one. And number two, he had a Batman logo in the back of his video. Like, in his background, in his room that he was doing his interviews The teases from, are coming. He had a Batman symbol. So, like, or at least it was a bat. But still, point being, it's coming and even Warner Brothers isn't going to need E3. They're probably just going to trickle no. out their stuff through this Jeff Keighley Summer Game Fest. So, like, I, dude, oh, man, we get... From, Sucks for E3, <laughs> like, plain and simple. From May to August, the game hype is going to be so big. What a summer we're in for when it comes to games. Yeah, we need it right now. 
Star Wars Episode One Racer has been delayed on PS4 and Switch until May 26th. It was supposed to come out May 12th. They delayed it May 11th. Yeah, it's like what? Why would you wait so long? They they delayed. Uh, in all fairness, they delayed the PS4 version. I think on like April 28th. Uh, so like I'll give them that. But they delayed the Switch version the day before it was supposed to come out. I'm like, what are you guys turning in midnight oil? Like you guys yeah, think that's it's- that's crazy. Now they only delayed it two weeks. May 26th is not a big deal. So it's, I think it's exactly two weeks to the day. So they're probably just adding some polish to it or, or you know, getting rid of a last second bug. We're talking about a Nintendo 64 game here. So like, if you can't get this right, if this releases to some bullshit, I don't, uh, that, that doesn't spell good for me, man. Like that's fucked. This is not a remaster. They didn't rebuild this game. It looks like an N64 game. Still, you can just play it on the switch and the PS4. So to delay two weeks was was puzzling. But if this game's any more than 20 bucks, I'm fucking out at this point. Yeah, same here. Looks like Call of Duty Warzone will hit the next-gen consoles as well. Yeah, the free Call of Duty 150-player Battle Royale is getting tons and tons of players, tons and tons of popularity and press and all this great stuff, which I'm happy for it. I love the fact that you know games are thriving and people have more time to play them now. Um, sucks that that's the, the reason why is the, is the way it is with COVID, but great to see that more people are playing it. And it's nice to see that Call of Duty... Um, will along with we said last week that the 2020 game is still on track for this year it's going to launch with the ps5 and xbox series x it's going to be featured on the ps5 it's going to be at the ps5 event we all know it just let's let's it's always a big seller let's just get it out of the way you're in bed with sony that's fine i'm happy for you warzone coming to the new consoles is just something that's better for gaming because it's you know it's a free 150 player battle royale and and Call that's a Who smart. Want that? It's a smart. It's a smart move that Call of Duty is going to move it to the new consoles. Yeah, Iron Man VR got a new release date, and July third. July third, the day before Independence Day. So if you wanted to play as Tony Stark on your PSVR and you were bummed out that it was delayed along with The Last of Us Part Two, they only delayed them two months, guys. Uh, you know, like yeah, not too bad. Iron Man's now going to be July third, so not that far. It's two weeks before. Uh, origami king the paper mario game on july 17th but you know if you wanted to play as tony stark in vr which i could see the appeal you can do so on psvr just a month or two after it was supposed to happen july 3rd get ready it's going to be cool harvest moon one world has been announced i think it's capitalizing on the animal crossing kind of fame right now harvest moon is a farm simulator um that very quiet um you know, peaceful, just chill game uh, that was very popular on on older Nintendo consoles. I think Super Nintendo was the first Harvest Moon game. So Natsume is the developer of those. They came out with one on mobile not too long ago. Um, Now they're going to bring one to the Switch, which is good because I think it's going to do well off those folks that maybe just get a little tired of Animal Crossing. It's not going to have that level of hype or anywhere near it. But this is a franchise that goes back 30 years, so it does have a cult following. So I do suspect it'll do pretty well. Next up, we got Mafia Trilogy. It's coming with more info, May 19th. Yeah, the game is not coming on the 19th of May, just more info. Just so more info, yeah. If, if you're listening to this before the 19th of May, which is Tuesday, happy birthday, Pino, um, there will be more information about, about this trilogy on May 19th. If you follow me on Twitter at Greg talks a lot, I retweeted the screenshots that were leaked from this game. Boy, howdy, do they look 
gorgeous. I love the old 19, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, you know, New York City mafia vibe. It's like one of my favorite period pieces ever. And to have like this, it, it looks gorgeous. It, it, it looked it, it look great, but I was like, you know, I never really played a mafia game like that. I played the first mafia for a hot second. Like legitimately, I remember buying it at the old GameStop that was next to Pathmark, which is now Redner's. Okay. I remember going to that GameStop in like almost a blizzard in the winter of 2004 or five. Um, it was PS2, picked it up on like a used copy for like 15 bucks or whatever, just because I wanted something to play. I wasn't a huge, huge gamer back then. I was driving. I was 16 in my Alero in a blizzard. And on my way home, oh, from, yeah. on my way home from Ben Salem, I was like, let me stop at GameStop because I'm smart. Um, and I picked it up and I played it for like a, hot minute and never picked it back up again. But as I get older, I just start to appreciate those things more. So while I may not pick it up, I'm definitely hyped to see more about it. I'm intrigued. That's good to hear. Halo two anniversary is now available as part of the master chief collection on the PC. It's been available for a long time on Xbox, but they did bring it to windows 10. I know our friend Pino is very happy about that. Uh, Halo yeah, two, give it to the PC gamers. Halo two is arguably the best halo game ever made. So, um, to, to remaster that, God, it looks so beautiful. Um, even though it's got a fucking weird story and a very abrupt ending, it is a great first-person shooter. I still prefer the original Halo just because of nostalgia. I admit that. Uh, Halo 2, I was never a huge multiplayer guy, and, and that's really what Halo 2 is known for is its multiplayer suite. So uh, great to see that PC players can finally play a game that Xbox has had since 2015. Go fuck yourselves. Let's go. Uh, moving on, <laughs> moving on, just kidding. To the movie section, we have a review. Uh, it's for Capone, which kind of came out of nowhere that it's dropping so suddenly. Yes, yeah, I, I didn't even know. It was like, oh, it came out this soon? Damn. Yeah, it's out now. Uh, Josh Trank's somber, small-scale drama is not the guns-blazing Al Capone biopic some gangster movie fans might be expecting. But... It is a curiosity that nevertheless demands a look-see for a fresh take on a crime legend whose most notorious exploits have been retold many times already. Capone seems destined to be a cult film, as it's part character study and part body physiologically horror tale and features a Tom Hardy performance that's clearly acting with a capital A. While the movie doesn't always successfully navigate the elements that are real versus imagined, Capone is gutsy enough to tackle the oft-filmed subject with a decidedly fresh and humanizing take. Yeah. Dude, it's a seven with all that praise. Yeah, I mean, I just figured, I don't know, I like Hardy as an actor, like, I'm going to see this, I, I like Capone, I like all that gangster stuff, so... I'll definitely check this out. I just didn't think it came out this freaking soon. Yeah, to say Tom Hardy got an, his acting was with a capital A, that's great to hear. And I think the thing that intrigues me the most, but also is the thing that pushes me away from the film, it's kind of a tug of war with me, is this, it's part body horror and part psychological horror. What the fuck? It's Al Capone. I just want to see gangster shit. So I get it. Um, I yeah, get what they're trying yeah, to do. I don't think it's going to be like that too much. So A stylized Capone movie has... has legs but at the same time it's i, I don't know I, I think this is it it's a netflix isn't it or where is it do you know i i, I don't actually I, I thought i it was the movies but maybe maybe it's on netflix lucky it's, me I, mean, I don't know i mean it's definitely not the movies i think it's netflix well you know 
Um, well, let's talk about the next story. But while we're doing that, I'm, I'm going to go on my Netflix app real quick and just search Capone. Uh, I read a story about the creator of the Deadpool movies or the writer of the Deadpool movies, director. I forget who the fuck it was. Um, but he came out and he said that Marvel really doesn't have any interest in making a Deadpool 3 movie. Do you think the Deadpool franchise is already dead? Well, for, you know, pardon that pun. Oh, and, and real quick, it's on video on demand. I just checked. Gotcha. But um, I don't think Deadpool's dead at all. I could think that's just, um, what's his name? Rob Lightfield just saying some stuff like, oh, they're not making Deadpool fast enough. Relax. It's coming. Just give him time. Well, I, I don't think so. I have the quotes here, and and he definitely is, is, I don't know if he's pandering, but he's, some words here kind of damning. He says, I don't know. Here's what, here's what people don't want to hear, but thank God I'm a realist. I feel like Deadpool, the movies, they've set sail. We've got two brilliant movies and we live in a culture that always looks forward because they're uh, ever selling us next, 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 next. It's the fever for me. As the fever calms down, people just need to calm down and realize that Deadpool one and two were released within two years of each other. And I just can't, I'm really I'm not really that crazy about Marvel's plan right now. He added, do you know what their plan for Deadpool is right now? Goose egg, zero, zero. I think that that's just him stirring up some Deadpool noise so everyone can tweet at them. Ryan Reynolds already confirmed that they're working on Deadpool 3, that they're writing the script. But that doesn't mean it couldn't have been scrapped when Disney acquired Marvel. Or, I'm sorry, when I, Disney acquired Marvel. I just can't Marvel. see them when saying no, and, and I, I think Reynolds will fight for a third one. I don't know. This Fox acquisition could have thrown that a little bit. We talked about that in for the past year or so. He, he even added that if Marvel Studios were to start work on a Deadpool movie today, quote, it would come out in four years. I just can't get excited about that. So, I mean, he is right. It's 2020, and, and when you release the first one in 16, the next one in 18, and you do them two years apart, you've set that precedent. It's 2020. We should be expecting that third Deadpool movie this year, and we haven't even heard it that it's in pre-production yet. So it won't be at least a year or two away, which does throw off that timeline. So I do think that there's legs to this story. I don't know if we've seen the last of Deadpool. I just don't know if we're going to see him for a long time. I just remember saying like Reynolds wanted a little bit of time to do some other films first. So like, I think that's all it is. He's just doing some other films. He'll be back. Just be patient. Yeah, but it's not there'll, just, be, there'll be plenty of other films to hold us over. It's not just his call though, friend. Of course, of course. But I, I just think he's, the guy playing Deadpool, so that's just how it's gonna roll. Sam, is it possible that a or that Amazon may purchase AMC theaters? Maybe AMC blew their load on Walking Dead, and now it's falling apart, and they're broke because they spent everything on it, and now Amazon has to come and pick them up. It's, yeah, hundred percent, I believe it. It's AMC theaters, not AMC the TV channel. Oh, I believe it both ways. <laughs> well, believe me. They need a buyout right now. They're, they're hurting right now. Believe me when I say I would not put AMC, the TV's channel, in the movie section. I've done it. I've done stupid things, but this one I, I promise I wouldn't. Yeah, the uh, apparently there's rumors going around that Amazon may purchase uh, AMC theaters as they did declare, um, I think it was Chapter 11, I'm pretty sure, which it might not, have been. it's not going to knock them out of business, but they do owe like 600 million or something crazy like that. Oh, oh yeah. So they need to buy out. Hello, Jeff Bezos. Um, he needs to make some money. But this could be pretty interesting because to, to, to see what Amazon could be capable of with a movie theater, I think could be really interesting. And it might just, 
they might just integrate to their on-demand platform and do it from home. Like who knows what theaters are going to look like when we come back to, to reality here as some states have started to open up. But like, dude, the future is wild if you think about AMC being under an Amazon banner. I don't know if anything would even change. And it just, it still may be AMC. I, we just I, might get all I know is now that you say it and I think about it, I believe it 100%. It's it's crazy yep. to think, but Amazon's going to own everything. If if you get like a popcorn from the movie theater and it says AMC by Amazon on the on the bag, like that's a reality. That is an absolute yeah. reality. Uh, the Hamilton movie will arrive on Disney Plus seven three. So July third, the same day as Iron Man VR, you can go play as Tony Stark, and then when you're done, go watch Hamilton on Disney Plus. Yeah, what, what a combo. I mean, did you have you had any interest in the in the Broadway show of Hamilton? Nah, nah, I oh. haven't. I haven't. You're not a big Broadway guy. No, I'm just you know, I, I love the newsies, but you know, <laughs> right. one for I six just, billion. Got it. I, that's I, it. I do like the Hamilton show. It's it's really it's it's funky fresh, Sam. It's funky fresh. Uh, you got to hear Sebastian's take on it. Hilarious. I'm super hyped on it. I look at my wife. What the fuck? Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm psyched as shit to, to watch this. Oh, on Disney Plus. They, they originally were going to release this in theaters, but much like, uh, what is that? Artemis Fowl, I believe they're doing right to Disney plus, which is a big win. Um, and I'm, I'm psyched to watch Hamilton on seven three. I haven't seen that show in probably a year or two years. Uh, and that was on the stage. So it's, it'll be nice to watch it on the screen. Yeah, that's awesome. Glad you get it. Well, something that is not apparently coming to Disney Plus anytime soon, and they're going to try for this theatrical <laughs> run. <laughs> LOL at this movie. Apparently, uh, apparently, The New Mutants is now hitting theaters in late August. Like, <laughs> I, I saw it. Like, I laughed. I copied it. I remember saying it to you, like, <laughs> Greg's going like this. <laughs> Uh, it's it, I just fucking released this damn movie already. Come, it's, it's been sitting on the shelf for almost three years. Like you do know that this ain't happening. Like there, it's not coming out in August. I mean, when it does, I'm gonna laugh. Like it was a good haul, Greg. Not give me my dollar, you bastard. I I tell you, I've been right for over three years with this movie. I think it's fifty cents at this point. I think I've no. earned. I think I've earned something. Uh, I was going to ask for a five just out of respect. Well, I'm not going to give it to you out of respect. You feel me? <laughs> I I just think this movie, I, Chris Shriver put on Twitter today. He said, what if the New Mutants movie is good? And I was like, you can wish in one hand and crap in the other and see which one gets filled first. This movie is going, <laughs> nice. this movie is going to blow chunks. There's zero I, mean, I, I, I still got to say, like, like I always say, I support every superhero film shit. I see it's all bloodshot, but still, you know, I got to give it a fair shake. But I'm just, you know, keeping my, uh, you know, my expectation low. Uh, I just, I think they're missing it huge by not just going straight to Disney Plus. They're missing it. Oh, right, to me, it should, it should already been out. Hundred yeah. percent. They, they, like I told you. They just wanted to recoup some money. That's all it was. This one's for me, Sam. Psych 2, Lassie, Come Home. The movie, finally, finally, the movie has come back to Peacock. It finally got a release date. It's coming out July 15th on Peacock. So all of us Psych fans get to rejoice as just two months from the day you're listening to this podcast, uh, at least the day this podcast comes out, we get Psych 2, Lassie, Come Home. I cannot wait. As you know, Psych, one of my favorite TV shows, and we're getting a second movie after the first movie was admittedly just kind of meh. 
But yeah, and that's what I was gonna say. I was like, I remember you telling me like it, it couldn't end on it. Like they had to do something. So I'm, I'm glad to see. Hopefully, get the proper ending it deserves. Well, they're bringing back for the movie. They're bringing back Timothy Olmanson, who played uh, Officer or Detective Lassiter, who's probably the best side character in the entire show. So really excited that the story's gonna revolve around him. Um, after he's been going through some things IRL over the past, you know close to a decade. So super psyched for that. But let's move into the television section, Sam, as according to variety, this one's for you, buddy. The CW has acquired the broadcasting rights of swamp thing from the DC universe and Warner brothers. Yeah. I think it's, um, um, the guy who pl- actually plays swamp thing for blanking on his name right now, but I believe he tweeted out saying starts in the fall. It's going to be on Tuesdays. So it's good to see that, Swamp Thing is getting some legs to kind of re-showcase its first season to kind of show more people because, you know, not everyone has DC Universe. So now to have it on CW, more people can see it. This kind of, you know, lets me, like, believe that all right, there's still hope for a Justice League Dark, possibly on the CW. I'll take it, whether it's TV or movies, just give me more. Literally millions more people are going to have access to this show now. Now, it is the broadcasting rights. It's not the rights to the IP at this time. But if CW makes this investment into this property, now we did see this universe of Swamp Thing make an appearance in Crisis on Infinite Earths. So there is precedent there that this Swamp Thing can show on CW. Now, if this, if this investment works for them and they see that this could be a moneymaker with how good this show was, they could very well invest in the rights to make new episodes. And we could, this show could get a season two and beyond. It is still real. We can still hope for it. Oh, yeah. Derek Mears was his name. It just came to me. But 100%, as soon as it got, as soon as it got announced, I was like, uh oh. This lets me to believe, like, all right, let's test the waters. Let's yeah. see what happens. So maybe we'll get a bite. Now, I'm on episode two. You finished it pretty much the Loved day, it. the day Loved they it. all came out. Now, is the dark horror kind of aspect and i i don't even know i think the language isn't this going to have to be edited for the cw no nah, cw usually the nine o'clock show they're they'll, they'll, they'll say some stuff well they say the f word though uh it's only one it'll be all right what in swamp thing there's not that much i mean i thought there was only like one or two i think you might be allowed one in each episode gotcha yeah so i was just thinking like Will they show something that dark and will they show something, you know, with that type of language in it? And, and I guess I mean, not sometimes supernatural, to. like the, it got pretty gruesome with some of their kills. So. That's actually true. Yeah. Supernatural. Even in the first season, it's got some fucked up shit. So that's, what oh my God. Like the, I would say like the first season was like some of like, like the craziest. Yeah. So that's a good call. I kind of didn't even think about that connection. So, so on a scale of one to hype, what's your hype level? Oh, 10. Like, I, I think everyone should see Swamp Thing. I, I've said multiple times that it was, like, one of my favorite shows that I watched in, in, in what, last year? Yeah, I, I have to go, uh, I, ha- I have to go back and, and finish this show. This announcement got me super psyched to go back and do that before it hits the CW, because I don't want to wait till the fall. I think yeah. I'm, I think I'm back in. I'm going to start from episode one. I remember everything that happened, but I just want to give it the, the fair shake it deserves, because it was yeah, a good show. Yeah, it was a good show. I just, I just, for some reason, when I canceled DC Universe, I canceled it right in the middle of the season, so I just never wanted to go finish it. So I, I'm, I'm at a point now where I'm ready to go finish it, so I'm psyched. Uh, keeping on the the DC Universe app kind of train, Doom Patrol finally got a release date for its season two, and it is also right around the corner. Glad to see that none of this was uh, delayed from COVID. 
Doom Patrol Season 2 will debut on June 25th on the DC Universe app and HBO Max. Like, that that's cool. It's on HBO Max. Like, I know when we first talked about this, you know. Long time ago. We we, we only saw HBO Max. I was like, uh-oh, it better come at DC Universe because I don't, you know, what am I paying for that? You know what I mean? So I was like, okay, I don't have HBO Max. I have DC Universe. I, You know, we both love Doom Patrol Season 1, so. You know, obviously we have high hopes for season two, which is right around the corner. I wonder if they're going to do a staggered release or if they're going to both release on the same day. Like, would HBO Max be a week behind, maybe? I wouldn't be surprised. Well, it's said that the 625 date was HBO Max. So maybe the premiere, they both get the same time and then they go, you know, a week after each other. Maybe they just release simultaneously for the entire season. What I hope for this show is that it's not another 15 episodes. That's just it was just a little too much. Yeah, keep it to 10. 10 seems to be the magic number. Yeah, and, and if you got to stretch it, I'm fine with 12. Like you saw Titans, I believe, even went to 12. I mean, I mean then again, I watched Flash and you know, Supernatural. They're like 20, 22 episodes. Yeah, so, we, we just we just started watching a show together, Ashley and I, that's 23 or 26 a season, over seven seasons. So we're in for the long haul. We're on episode 16, so we got a ways to go. Oh, yeah, you do. That'll be uh, my pick of the week one of these days. I'll, I'll reveal what we're watching. But... Uh, anyway, moving along, Stargirl. Now, I didn't get the written review for IGN. They only did a video for some reason. They gave it an 8 for the, the series premiere. So I went online just to look at other reviews, and a lot of outlets are giving Stargirl the show a lot of praise. And that that's great to hear because Stargirl, I don't know too much about. And like I'm more interested to see the other characters and kind of see how they come together. Like I know, again, they were teased on Crisis infinite earth so I'm, I'm i'm like this i'm gonna watch this like it's on the cw i like i'm, I'm good even though like that's when it's just so much like it's just so many shows so many superheroes at once it's just tough to keep up with yeah i mean they are releasing it on the dc universe app but they are going to go cw i think the following day so maybe yeah i think so maybe that's what hbo max will do maybe like the following day on dc universe who knows but uh we're going to be able to watch this show in a couple different places and i think that's the Kind of the, the theme right now with DC shows, because it'll be there with Swamp Thing and Doom Patrol. I imagine Doom Patrol Season 1 will show up on HBO Max when it launches, so you can get ready for Season 2. Um, I still remember everything, so I'm good to go jump right back in. Stargirl I'm going to stay away from just because it never really appealed to me, but I am happy that it's getting positive reviews for all the DC fans out there. We, this, need, we need some positive news. This is a report. Tamora Morrison, uh, the original Django Fett from the prequels, has been cast as Boba Fett, reportedly, in The Mandalorian Season 2. I think that's actually a really nice touch. Like, I think it would have been cooler if maybe they didn't. Obviously, nowadays, it's tough to keep anything a secret, but if they kept that secret, then it was revealed, like, if his mask came off and he was, like, this, like, ghost or, you know, Ronin, you know, enforcer or whatever, and I don't know. It would have been cool just to get that surprise, but that's awesome. You mean that Boba Fett was in the show in general? Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. It, it's it's unfortunate that like us Pass having him as a, a different character. Say you know, say he's Mister X or something. Like, I don't care. Change it. And to have us be, you know, hosts and facilitators I mean, of nerdy content. I mean, content. even though it was kind of teased that it was, Bo, you know, it was Boba Fett at the end of the one episode to get me now when like that that it was kind of teased that it was him. But but still, yeah, I agree. But at the same time, you're going to pay that off, which is nice because they didn't in season one. Yeah. Um, you know, us having to to report the nerdy news, we it's almost impossible for us to stay away from something like this. 
So at least it gives me something to get hyped for. But at the same time, this is the Mandalorian we're talking about. I don't need any additional hype. I'm ready. It's like we're, we're already in, you know, plus play. Let's go. Yeah. Disney Plus announces a Percy Jackson series. What do you think? And like I, I actually read all the books. I think Rick Rorty's a great writer. I, I think it was, it was either five or six of them. I, actually, I, I love them all. Um, Logan Lerman did the first two with Alexander Daddario. I actually really liked the first one. I really liked the second. I just thought it was okay. But I was hoping that they were going to kind of finish out the movie because it was just a shame that that because the second one was my least favorite of the books. So it was like we just had to get over to that hump and they couldn't do it. So I was like, ah, damn it. So we only got two. It didn't make that much money, but I did like them. But a new series, new cast, and even Logan Lerman tweeted, like, I wish you guys all luck in the world. You know, congratulations, Rick Rory. And, like, I thought that was all class by Logan. So I'll, I'll definitely watch this show. American Horror Story is getting a spinoff series, American Horror Stories. Uh, this will actually be, and this is why I'm intrigued, maybe even more intrigued than American Horror Story, is – these seasons are going to be anthologies. So each episode, different different horror-type stories, um, not a revolving plot, not a plot through line. I like that. We're going to be visiting a different place, a different monster, a different you know thing each week or week or week or two. And, and I think I, I like that a lot more from a horror perspective. Keep our minds. I thought the hype, I thought the hype was dying down for this show, so I'm kind of surprised to hear it was been off. Well, it just got renewed for four more seasons. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just surprised it's been around for a while, but hey, there are a lot of horror fans. So, hey, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, Ryan Murphy does good work, um, except for that uh, Netflix show Hollywood. That didn't go over so well. A ninth episode of Tiger King may be in the works at Netflix surrounding Siegfried and Roy. As we know, one of them just passed away from coronavirus. I believe it was Roy. Um, and also to tie in that episode eight was actually done by Netflix, not the original producers of the show. So they kind of got a little something, something about that. So now they're going to revisit and tie some more loose ends. So again, just kind of keeping this series alive, you know, month by month, I still think that by the time you get to this Nicholas Cage show, that the hype will be dead. But, uh, listen, it's more tiger King. I got to fucking watch it. Yeah, see, like I, I, I just never, just I never gave a shit for this guy. Like everyone hyped, I was just like, yeah, not my cup of tea, man. I saw Joe Exotic on last week tonight four years ago. So when he actually did run for president in 2016, I saw that on net last week tonight. So I kind of knew about this guy already. So when this documentary came out, it wasn't just like a stranger where I was like, oh, who's this guy? You were, you were interested. I was interested because I knew who this dude was from last week tonight. So I was like. I'm in, baby, and it did not disappoint. I, I just, I loved it. It was so friggin' wacky and in- insane. The eighth episode, where it was like a quarantine stay-at-home interview special, did not do it for me with Joel McHale. I actually thought that was, actually thought that hurt the series more than it helped it. But at the same time, we saw one of the dudes with actual teeth, so good for him. Netflix has picked up Sweet Tooth for eight one-hour episodes. This is pretty big news. It's actually really big news. I just never actually read the comic Sweet Tooth. I know it's by Jeff Lemire. He's actually a fantastic comic book writer. I know my boy Chris from the uh, Comic Book Team Club, Dollar Bin Bandit on IG. He's the happiest person. It's his favorite writer. He was like, dude, this good hype position is going to be awesome. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll trust you. I may not get to the comic in time, but I'll, I'll, I'll wait for the show. Now, did you at any point think this this was a uh, Twisted Metal series? No, not at all. I, I, I knew just, just from the cut. I know from Chris because he posted his Jeff Lemire. He met him, got it all in a graph. Like, I know that was really cool. Yeah. So but. this this news broke 
and you put it in pocket before IGN had it on their site. So when I saw Sweet Tooth, I looked at the logo, a green, the green background horns. I was like, okay, this is not Twisted Metal. But when I read Sweet Tooth, I was like, oh my god! And then I saw the the picture, I was like, kind of disappointed. Yeah. I almost for a second, <laughs> he said, I'm pissed. I was almost disappointed for a second. Like I too have never read the book, have never read the books, and have no interest in doing so. Um, would like now that I think about it, I would love a Sweet Tooth TV series for Twisted Metal. Tell me that show or that game isn't the perfect freaking uh, material for a TV show. Oh. Dude, I'll I'll take anything. Movie, TV show, whatever you got, I'll take it. It looks like we're getting a sixth season of Rick and Morty before the fifth season even airs. I mean, th- that's still kind of huge. I always you know hear and see people talking about it. I still didn't start the first season yet, but I think soon I will. Uh, you have nothing better to do. Uh, <laughs> Owen Hart, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, top five, is getting a dark side of the ring on Tuesday, May 19th. And I just want to give a little bit of background as to what dark side of the ring is. Uh, Vice, um, you know, love them or hate them. Vice does pretty good work on a lot of different things. And what they have is they have a two season, almost up to like 20 episodes now, a weekly documentary series about literally the dark side of wrestling. Um, you know, the Chris Benoit story with the double murder suicide. They, yeah. did, a, they did a two hour special on that. They just did a, an hour on the Legion of doom, the road warriors, Hawk and animal and their, their relationship off camera. And they did one on new Jack and macho man and, and Elizabeth. Like they do some fucked up stuff. And I've been waiting and waiting and waiting for an Owen Hart episode, because this would be the biggest one they've done probably besides Benoit Benoit probably takes the cake on that. Um, but they're doing it as the season two finale this Tuesday. I don't have to wait much more than four days until I get to watch this. I'm going to watch it Wednesday, the, uh, the 20th, because it comes on a little too late for me. I'm an old person. But uh, my God, dude, to get an hour yeah, documentary. That, that, that's going to be good. Jim Ross, Jim Cornette. I'm sure Bret Hart's going to make an appearance. Chris Jericho narrates them like this is going to be the real facts about what happened to Owen Hart when he tragically fell to his death at a, at a pay-per-view. I can't wait to watch it. The number one most heartbreaking death in wrestling of all time for me was Owen Hart. So this will be, this will hit all the, all the feels. Yeah. I mean, it was in the ring, man. Come on. Treadstone and the purge have both been canceled by the USA network. Did you give either of these shows a shot? I never saw the Treadstone, but actually I dug the purge. So I'm actually kind of sad to see it go. Yeah. Do you know, Treadstone? It's actually pretty good. Do you know what Treadstone's based on? What was that on? The Bourne trilogy or the Bourne, the Bourne identity movies. Yeah. That? dude. Without Matt Damon, you can't do it. Yeah. So don't even try that. I, that, that shouldn't even have been green lit. Well, they did try it, my friend, and it looks like they have failed. I'll tell you that. They said one season. Let's move into the music section uh, where I have a review of a record I've listened to, I don't know, 53 times, roughly, somewhere around there. And uh, not not really. Maybe 35. I'll give it that. Uh, But this band, Off-Road Minivan, actually just released a record today, the day you're listening to this podcast, uh, called Swan Dive. I want to thank our friends at Big Picture Media for the advanced review copy. So again, um, like we do with all of our, our review copies. Just want to let everybody know that this was a review copy given to us for review, but that doesn't take away the enjoyment. Um, off-road minivan, number one, fucking great name. Like, 
Fucking yeah, it is. I, I dig it. I dig That's it. That's a fucking great band name. They signed to Tooth and Nail Records a couple of years ago. They had an EP, Spiral Gaze. That's where I first started to hear about them. But they weren't a band that like was in my collective conscious. It was a band that if they were on a Spotify playlist or you know if they were on in someone else's car, I definitely dug it. But it wasn't a band that I like went back to to the the well. Um, and I, I don't necessarily know why. But uh, Swan Dive out now. The three songs they released, Vampire, Supernova, and You, are all really, really, really strong singles. But what I really liked about this record, um, well, first and foremost, three, three, six, nine, looks like 11 or 12 tracks on the record. Um, this, the vocals, that's what does it for me for this band. It The vocals aren't exactly like the most polished I've ever heard. There's a little bit of grunge to it, a little bit of you know, noise in the vocals. And there's a lot of, I say effects in the vocals, but I say it lovingly. It's not auto tune. There's just a lot of like reverb and and things like that in the actual uh, vocals that really make it hit for me. I really enjoy that. Um, Super good record. And I have a quote from the band saying for this, uh, for us, this album touches on the sounds that made us want to play in the first place. An alternative rock landscape from the early two thousands emo to grunge influence. We aren't here to teach any defining life lesson, just trying to sing about the ones we've experienced. That last sentence really hit home for me. Uh, So I wanted to share that. This is a record that you can find on any streaming service. Uh, You can go through Tooth and Nail. You can go through the band's social media. It's Off-Road Minivan. You will never forget that band name. I promise you that. Uh, But the record is called Swan Dive. I generally give two recommended songs per album review. For this, I'm going to do three. Uh, the opening track, it's harder to make it below third. Uh, that was my favorite track on the record, hands down. Uh, and then I would say Platinum and Bliss are my other two favorite songs on the record. So that's not even the three singles they released in Vampire, Supernova, and You. So right off the bat, boom, half the record I can recommend to you just without even talking more about it. So go check it out if you want that emo grunge sound I like so much. It's Off-Road Minivan with their new record, their debut full-length, Swan Dive, available right now. Uh, next in music, I'm really excited for this one, Sam. Miniature Tigers released a new single called Lavender Boombox. It's like five and a half minutes. It's vintage vin- Miniature Tigers. I immediately, at nine o'clock when it released the other night, sent it to Pope Joy. We immediately talked about it all night because he and I would go to mini tiger shows and dance our brains out. This song, now last year they came out with a record and uh, Vampires in the Daylight, I believe it was called. And the first single they released off, it blew my mind. And the rest of the record was such a disappointment that it was about to make my top three worst of the year. It barely missed. And so I was very disappointed in Miniature Tigers for the past year or so. Not only does this song slap, it fucking slaps. But they announced that this summer, They're already coming out with their seventh LP. So we're getting new miniature tigers this summer. By the way, it's May. So the summer is already fucking here. So they're going to release two records in a year. They released Lavender Boombox, which is such a slapping single that I can't wait. I can't recommend it enough. Go check out Lavender Boombox by Miniature Tigers. And lastly, this is for both of us. Will Pugh's solo Torrid's EP was available exclusively on Bandcamp for a couple months or maybe a month or so. And now it is available everywhere where you can get streaming music, iTunes, wherever you want. Will Pugh's solo EP, the Torrid's EP. Yeah, I'm going to download that 
right after this podcast. It's super good. Um, I can't. I listen to it because I have Bandcamp, so super psyched on it. It was really, really, really good. I can't recommend enough. Will Pugh is one of the most pure voices in pop punk, and yeah, I, I can't fantastic. recommend it enough. Let's get into a comedy EP. Or I'm sorry, a comedy album review. And again, I want to thank our friends over at Big Picture Media for sending us this album for review. It's Drinking at the Kids' Table by comedian from Cincinnati, Billy DeVore. Sam, I'm going to kick it to you first. What do you think? You know, again, I don't really listen to comedy on just like audio. So this was like kind of like my own, my second time diving in. I, I thought it was okay, but I, I, I don't know. I need that comment. Like I need to see them. I need to see his antics, see his, you know, what he's doing. But there was a couple of bits that actually got me pretty good. I, I, I thought it was different. It's just, I, I just wish it was, you know, there was video. Yeah, I, I would agree with, like, for me, right? I, I, I just don't listen to audio. Like, that. that's just me, man. I love no. comedy albums. I really do. But generally, I have seen that comedian live, so I get their stage presence. I, I did go on YouTube and I checked out Billy DeVore's stage presence and I, I watched a couple of clips of him there just so I could kind of see and feel his way around the stage and how he presents his jokes and quite frankly, just hear a couple of jokes from the record as he told them in other places. So that was a big help for me. Um, I, I really like his look. I think he's got a great look to him. He's got the look of a stand-up comedian. So I really enjoyed that part of it. Uh, to you, like I said, to your point, there were a few... Um, bits on, on the record that really stood out. One of them was cheese. Uh, that was super funny. Yeah, I, I would probably agree. That was probably my favorite bit. Yeah. Uh, cheese was really, really funny. He was talking about how you don't order cheese for dessert unless it's at the factory and it's in cake form. Like that shit was, <laughs> yeah, that, that was a good one. <laughs> that, that had me in stitches. There was a bit about him being too poor to be Jewish. <laughs> it's like, there, yeah. some, there, there was some really good stuff in the record overall. Listen, it's a solid record from an up and coming uh, comedian. He was spotlighted recently with the Cincinnati Inquirer. So check out that um, check out that article at Cincinnati.com. You can go through the entertainment. It was back on May 12th, I believe. Uh, so you can go just through the archives to check out their interview and spotlight on Billy DeVore. His new record drinking at the kids table is available now. It's a stand up record. Um, I enjoyed it. I would say it's a solid six out of 10. Go check it out. Yeah, that definitely worth the listen. Sam, I'm going to last this last story of the night. I'm going to kick it to you because it's comic book related. And then we have your CGC spotlight to end the show. So lots of comics here to talk through. What is up with this Batman three jokers? We now know it's coming uh, August 25th. What is it? Yeah. So it's, you know, Jason Fabic or Fabic, however you say his last name. He just put on Twitter saying, um, I guess due to the coronavirus, all this stuff that they're pushing the book back again, I think was originally for June, June, and I think it was supposed to come out months before. It just kind of kept getting delayed. But he said it was kind of giving DC and him more time to kind of work on promotions for the book and kind of tune up the book a little bit. He already released um, cover A and B for number one. And just it's, it's, it's that there's three Jokers out there. It's not just one guy. So I'm interested to see where this this story leads. I mean, the hype was real. I mean, we've been waiting for this forever. So it's just good to finally get some news. Like when the hell we're getting this. And so with an August 25th release, that's a physical book. Is this going to be, do you know if it's going to be available digitally as well or just physical? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it will be, but I don't know. Like I don't, I don't like my comics digitally. I'm not one of those dudes. Like I'll be the guy that picks up the cover A and B because I thought both of them look fantastic. Jason Fabek's a fantastic artist. Now, is it possible that these three jokers could be Jason Todd and the other three or these three new jokers? I, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know what they have up there, what he has up his sleeve, but 
you know, you better believe I'm buying this book day one and reading it. So give us your CGC spotlight for the week. So CGC spotlight this week, back to my Batmans. I got Batman 139, the first appearance of the original Batgirl, Betty Kane, Batwoman appearance, first Blue Bowman, formerly Signalman, at an 8-0 off-white white pages, Bill Finger story, Sheldon Moldoff and Charles Paris art, Sheldon Moldoff cover. And I, like I said, I got an 8-0. There's only 381 Blue labels on the actual census. There's only 494s, 192, 490s, and 685s. Excuse me, and 2180s. So there's not too many high grades up there. So for me to get an 80 with that good page quality, because everyone knows that I'm, I'm such a stickler for page quality, that, you know, I, I had to pick it up. It came out April 1961. So it's a nice little Silver H key, tough to find. We got three stories in here. The first one's called The Blue Bowman. Batman and Robin meet Commissioner Gordon while they go after Signalman while he's trying to introduce and tell him that he's now known as the Blue Bowman. He's firing arrows at them and they're trying to get away. The second story, The Land of a Thousand Traps. Batman and Robin travel to George M's private island when the bat launch is sunk by an artificial shark and they swim ashore to an island of traps. Story three is titled Batgirl. Batman, Robin, and Batwoman, they're battling the Cobra gang at a scientific exhibit when all of a sudden enters new costume hero, Batgirl. So, you know, three nice stories. Bill Finger, obviously, you know, we all know my favorite for him. He basically, without him, there is no Batman. Just spotlight for Batman 139. Now, before we get out of here, uh, we do want to urge you to please leave us a review, leave us a rating on iTunes, podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Yeah, it only takes a second, guys. Yeah. Come on, help us out, please. Stitcher, CastBox, wherever you're listening to this, please just drop a rating, drop a review. We'd appreciate them all. We read them all on the air. Podcast you know, listenership is down across the world, and any support we can get during this tough time, we'd really appreciate it. We're not going to front load the show with this type of shit. We'll keep it at the end, you know, all the plugs and stuff, but just, but just please know how much that helps us out. So if you haven't done it yet, Please leave us a rating, a review, anything. The kind words are appreciated. If we deserve a one star, leave us that too. But we figure if you've gotten this far into the pod, you probably don't think it's one star. But Yeah, you know, we, we hope you like something. <laughs> you never know. We hope you can find at least three stars out of it, but we hope five. Um, but just please leave us that rating and review. And if you heard earlier during the show, a little buzz buzzing, I just want to let you know that I went full Walter White tonight while we were recording this episode. And yeah, then, like legit guys, we pause I think three times for him to kill this fly. And it's been, so you won't get the outtakes, but just know that it's been I was cracking up. buzzing around my studio like crazy. I have been trying to shush it away, and it keeps coming back. It reminds me of the fly episode from Breaking Bad and how Walter White went fucking nuts over that fly and his perfectionist yep. thing. Hundred <laughs> percent. So I'm just I'm just letting you know I went full full Walter White tonight with this damn fly in the studio. But I digress as as it's all been edited out. But still, you might be hearing some buzzing in the background from time to time earlier in the episode. But if you didn't, hey, I'm a good editor. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for hanging out with us for episode 186. Uh, We'll be back next week with a couple cool episodes as uh, we're going to have 187, but another bonus episode that we'll kind of re-announce. There's a little tease. Re-announce later on in the week. So we're looking forward to that. We'll see everybody next week for episode 187. Fucking triangles.